Welcome in. You are listening to the Blue Notes podcast, a presentation of Indianapolis Cold Stories and Notes. I'm your host, Benji Taylor. And we're back, back, not with the final 53, but with the initial 53-man roster for the Colts. I was excited for this day. I've told you how much I enjoy the preseason, seeing young guys battle for roster spots. The drama draws me in. In last week's episode, I talked about how precarious the moment was for these players, their dreams of an NFL career hanging in the balance. I looked forward to Tuesday to see the Colts roster somewhat solidified. But now that it came and Tuesday's now gone, I'm kind of sad about it. It's like a reverse Christmas. Instead of presents, these guys got fired. (laughs) Uh, The Colts dismissed 27 players and Tuesday, in total, 864 players were released or cut or waived from NFL rosters. Surely, it is bittersweet. 864 dreams took a hit Tuesday. It's hard to celebrate that, but... We must move onward. This week's episode is wholly focused on the Colts' initial 53-man roster, the ones left standing after one of the most difficult days in the NFL calendar. Stay with me, Colts fans. Last week, I said that I would either be gloating or taking a pie to the face. Well, no pie for me. My final 53 scored a 92% accuracy. And one of my misses was a last day trade. You can't hold that against me, can you? <laughs> well, uh, but if you give me that one, I'm at 94%. And that would inflate my ego too much. So I'll say at 92. 92% accuracy. Uh, I might gloat a little. But that's not why we're here. We're going to discuss these roster decisions and what they mean for the 2022 Colts. I've alluded to this before. I like the starters and the top-level talent of this team. There were seven Pro Bowlers last year. There's plenty to like about the familiar Colts. The concern is the depth, or rather lack of depth. There were position groups where I just had to guess a name between two or maybe even three or four unproven players. That's not a great feeling. Roster configuration shouldn't include dart throws, but I felt like that's where we were at the bottom of the roster. And truthfully, I'm not sure how we got here. General Manager Chris Ballard is known for being a good roster builder top to bottom. In fact, you could argue that this team has really lacked superstars, but the one thing Chris Ballard has done well is build the middle of the roster. Now it seems like the middle, and the bottom for that matter, has dropped out. I don't want to panic just yet, it's barely September, but it's certainly something to monitor as the season progresses. The Colts have narrowed its roster down to 53 players, as was announced Tuesday, and now we're going to investigate these roster decisions. Let's start with the defense. Well, Ben Banigou is back. Banigou is back. Somehow, Ben Banigou procured a roster spot yet again. And I'm dumbfounded. (laughs) Dumbfounded. It's the greatest football mystery since Tim Tebow's playoff run. 
Now, a year ago, I was a big fan of Ben Banigou. He looked great in camp and spoke with a new and different edge, but he fooled me. He fooled me. Once the season started, he was his old self again. Poof, a fragment dissolved in the wind like Kaiser Soze, an imperfect particle in my twisted memory. I thought this year that the Colts would draw a line on Ben, but instead they drew his name one last time on the roster card. I had the right number of defensive linemen. I thought the Colts would keep 10, and they did, but I missed on Banigou and Byron Cowart. Instead, I had Curtis Brooks and Cameron Klein. Now, Klein and Brooks have since been added to the practice squad. I still like those guys, but again, it felt like throwing a woozy dart at the board after the top eight at the position. Banigou, the 2019 second-round pick, gets one more shot to finish his rookie contract and offer some hope for an NFL career. I hope this year is better than the last, but I just don't see it. I thought the Colts' decision-makers had grown tired of Banigou's lack of production over the past three seasons, and maybe they have, but when it came time to make the difficult decision, I think they liked him as a reliable depth player. And they saw his in-house experience as a bit more trustworthy than a guy like Cameron Klein, who has logged exactly 12 defensive snaps in his two seasons in the NFL. Banigou has declined in play over his three seasons in the league, but he's played 439 defensive snaps. Now, neither Klein nor Ben was imagined to be a starter in 22, but if all else fails, it makes sense to go with the one who's actually played a full game in the league. Plus, his second round draft capital probably makes it hard for Ballard to cut ties. I get it. As for the linebackers, again, I had the right number, but I kept Sterling Weatherford, who was cut. This one stung the home crowd. Weatherford was an undrafted free agent signed back in May. He's an Indy native and fan favorite who had a really, really nice camp. I liked his chances, but the Colts made a Tuesday trade that brought in a linebacker. Uh, His name is Grant Stewart from Tampa. Some worried that the trade meant that Shaq Leonard wasn't close to returning to full health from his injury. And that might be true. I certainly can't speak to that, but Stewart looks to be more of a special teams ad. I'm not sure if you watched any preseason games, but the Colts special teams were abysmal. They were bad, at least in the first two. The third game was better, I'll say that. Overall, the kicking units were pretty good for the most part, but the coverage units were unsettling. Stewart could play linebacker in a pinch, but last year he played 311 special team snaps to only 26 defensive snaps. So if he's here to step in for Shaq Leonard, uh, we're in trouble. As for Weatherford, he was claimed Wednesday by the Bears, so his NFL dream lives on. Just not in his home state of Indiana. Cornerbacks? Nailed it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the Colts kept six corners and downtown Tony Brown made the cut initially. Uh, I've liked this guy from the start. He can play outside plus nickel. And we know Chris Ballard loves a versatile depth player. However, after roster cuts were announced, the Colts claimed an offensive tackle from Buffalo. And to make room for the new guy, 
DTB, that's downtown, Tony Brown was moved to the practice squad. On a guess, I added Dallas Flowers, which seemed to me like a long shot. And I'm going to give it to you straight, Colts fans. I don't know much about this player, but Rick Venturi said on the game broadcast that Flowers is a really good player, a talented player, maybe a bit rough, but talented. Venturi made a point to focus on Flowers, and that's all I needed to hear. Venturi coached in the NFL for nearly 30 years and served many of those years on the Colts staff, which included an interim stint as head coach. The man knows football. Venturi likes Flowers and saw his talent. Dallas Flowers is quite a success story, too. He's an undrafted guy who played for Pittsburgh State last year. And that is the first time I've ever said the name of that college out loud. I didn't even know it existed. Flowers wasn't invited to the NFL Combine, as far as I know, but he's another guy who can do multiple things for this team. He's a good return man who can fill in at cornerback when needed. Now, I wouldn't necessarily line him up against the opposing team's number one receiver just yet, but you have to like his upside as well as his versatility. I only kept four safeties. In fact, it was a real chore to even decide on those four names. But the Colts rostered five safeties, adding the Yale draft pick Rodney Thomas to the four that I had. I really liked the guy, but I thought he would be a superb practice squad candidate. This is another position, though, where the starters could be some of the best in the league, while the lack of proven depth might keep you up at night. Julian Blackman and Nick Cross are young, but that duo could be really, really special. The veteran Rodney McLeod provides some security there, but it seems like a quick slide after that. Trevor Dinbo is yet another undrafted free agent signed in May. He had a great camp, and I'm glad the Colts held on to him. He's an exciting player, but you just don't want to need him right now. It appears that the Colts won't have Denbo anyway because he was quickly moved to the IR, which means he will miss at least the first four games. I know I sound sleepily repetitive. That's just the story with this roster. Great starters, exciting young players, and questionable, alarmingly questionable depth. No surprises with the kicking units. Prior to the final preseason game and following the injury to Rigoberto Sanchez, the Colts signed a new punter from Buffalo, Matt Hack. I'd never heard of him, but he dropped bombs in that game against the Bucks. Bombs, I tell you. He had a streak of four punts inside the 20, as per George Bremer. He was so good, he nearly made us forget about Rigo. Goodness. I wouldn't go that far, but I fully expected to see a slew of shanks after the Rigo injury. But that's not what happened. Hack was great. I did say last week that kicker Jake Verity still had a chance to make the roster, which sounded dumb because he was released shortly after I recorded the episode. In my defense, though, I gave Hot Rod the nod on my final 53, and now he's the guy going forward. He won't kick it far but I like his accuracy in close. I'd rather have that than an erratic but strong leg kicker any day. So Rigo's punter replacement is in place and Hot Rod is our place kicker for 2022. 
And now the offense. Sam is in. Young Sam Ellinger was the topic of discussion as roster cuts approached. The very few teams keep three quarterbacks. Matt Ryan is the starter, and Coach Reich had been quite clear that Nick Foles would remain the backup. That seemed to put Sam as the odd man out. But he wasn't going away easy. He was spectacular in the preseason. Sammy Slade. Pro Football Focus posted that he had the highest grade of any quarterback in the preseason. However, Geno Smith was number three, was number three on that list, so I am tempering my excitement. Uh, nevertheless, Sam Ellinger presented the team with a real predicament, and they elected to keep him. Many believe that he'll never be a starter in this league and that his max potential is somewhere around Colt McCoy level. That may be true, but like McCoy, Sam was a four-year starter for one of the largest colleges in the country. He's athletic and has a capable and improved arm. He's a great teammate and leader. In the very least, Sam is a guy you like to have around your team. At best, he could be the next quarterback for the Colts. I assume Matt Ryan could play two seasons, maybe three. Could Sam be ready to lead this team in 2024? I think there's a chance. Remember, this franchise twice, twice turned over the keys to Jacoby Brissett. And the second time around, the Colts were a few missed kicks from making the playoffs. Both Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo quarterbacked their teams to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying Sam is the next Peyton Manning. I'm not saying that. But I am saying there's a chance he could be the next starting quarterback for the Colts. And a pretty good one, too. And if the team around him is good enough, the Colts can win a lot of games with Sam. I really believe that. But the only way to find out is to keep him around and let him develop. The offensive line group wasn't a complete shocker, but I still missed one. I thought the Colts would keep veteran Dennis Kelly. I know he's been hurt, but this is yet another position that lacks depth and lacks experience especially at offensive tackle. When healthy, I thought Kelly could help. However, Wednesday, the Colts claimed offensive tackle Luke Tenuta from Buffalo. Tenuta was drafted this year in the sixth round. Clearly, there's some talent there, but sadly, no NFL experience. I worry he's just another peg on the Matt Pryor, Bernard Ryman, now trio. Maybe all three are competing for the starting job, but no significant experience among them. The running back depth chart was shortened to three players, and Philip Lindsay was not among the three who remained. This made too much sense to me. I said from the beginning that Lindsay looked more like a Naeem Hines backup than a number two to Jonathan Taylor. And there is just no need on this roster for a Hines backup. And yet, strangely, Lindsey was listed on nearly every depth chart you could find as the number three running back leading up to roster cuts, and he often ran with the twos in practice. Even so, I thought Deion Jackson was the better fit all along for the Colts. I thought that. He's younger and stronger. He plays special teams. I will say again, I want to say this again, no one is taking the place of Jonathan Taylor. No one. But if he should get injured, I imagine shifting to Dion would be a more seamless transition, at least in the style of play. Some suggested keeping four running backs on the roster, 
but that just seemed completely absurd to me. Here are just a few names of players who were recently released. Sony Michelle, Tevin Coleman, Kenyon Drake, and our old buddy Marlon Mack. Each of those guys was a starter not that long ago, and there are countless other capable running backs available who could be acquired anytime during the season for a bag of nickels. There's just no need to clog a roster spot with a fourth string running back. One of the more interesting position groups prior to roster cuts was the wideout group. Would the Colts keep six again, like last year? Would Patman and Strawn stay? Or would one or both of them get nudged out by a specialist like Kiki QT? <laughs> That's a person's name, by the way. I'm sure my mother is listening and thinking, what did I just say? Uh, Kiki QT is his name. This was another group that surprised me. I picked the six that the Colts inevitably kept, but after watching the third preseason game, it seemed possible, if not likely, that QT would be retained instead of Patman or Strawn. QT brought a much-needed spark to the return game, and he just seemed lively in the open field. I'm not exactly sure what the plan is for kick and punt returns, but the Colts are committed to developing their big wideouts, and I'm here for it. Okay, before we jet out, I want to add a quick note about the final preseason game. Grover Stewart, <laughs> Grover Stewart was just awesome. Awesome. And listen to this. I wonder if Grover Bear would be a suitable nickname, Grover Bear, because that's all I could think of while he was mauling, mauling the Bucks' offensive line. Now, Grover is quickly becoming one of my favorite Colts. He's just criminally overlooked and undervalued. To add, he gives a really great interview, too. He played very limited snaps in the third preseason game, but every one was a nightmare for the Bucks' O-line. <laughs> uh, and there you have it, the Colts' initial 53-man roster with a few updates. We know that this is a fluid document. It keeps changing even now, but the sheer announcement of the list means that football is near or nigh. Football is nigh. Let's stick with near. Football is near. Okay, I'm toying with the idea of doing a full season game-by-game -game prediction for next week's episode, and I'll probably do it against my better judgment. <laughs> Either way, I will talk to you soon. Take care and go Colts. This was a presentation of the Blue Notes podcast. I'm Benji Taylor. Thanks for listening.